Talking Books on News Talk 106 to 108. You've got to fictionalise. People are entitled to their uh, privacy. But um, uh, I've met over the years a few of them. I've met mainly boys. You see, it happened while I was at school, but I didn't know what it meant. I saw the the signs, um, and a few old classmates of mine said that the signs were very much eloquent of real um, abuse happening in private, um, not involving all the brothers that caught me. I'm only aware myself of one case, and I was never abused myself, and I, I learned a great deal from uh, some of the men who, who taught me. But um, so it, it, as soon as you say one thing about the church, you've got to say something else. If the, the church were only the uh, protective bishops and archbishops and cardinals, uh, then uh, it would be easier to uh, condemn them. But uh, the, it, it's, it, the church is also the people who go out and sit with refugees, the nuns who go out and sit with refugees in our detention centers, and the priests who are activists on their behalf. And... Um, so uh, the, the, the church is a very contradictory uh, institution at the moment and uh, I was trying to say that in this book. Religious leaders see the soul as their executive preserve. The soul is their territory. They think so to hell with psychiatry and psychology because they, we control the remission of sins. So the abuser goes to retreat and gets absolution and really believes it won't happen again. But it does. The bishops don't want to face it, that the sacraments aren't everything, can't do everything. Santifying grace isn't enough. The powerful words of Australian novelist, playwright and essayist Tom Keneally from his latest book, Crimes of the Father, published by Scepter Books. Hello, how are you? And you're very welcome to Talking Books. I'm Susan Cahill. It's lovely to have your company this evening. Have the church gone far enough in supporting victims of clerical child sex abuse? What more needs to happen? And has the Catholic Church lost all moral authority by its words and actions? Well, on tonight's show, I'm going to tackle those questions with Pulitzer Prize-winning novelist Tom Keneally, author of Schindler's Ark, The Daughters of Mars, The Great Shame and The Commonwealth of Thieves. This evening, we're going to unpack the crisis within the church and ask how do we as communities, as families and as friends move on. This is Tom Keneally. I'm a writer from Australia. I've written about 50 books and I'm of a great age, 81 years. The book I'm talking about is Crimes of the Father. 
Really well done on Crimes of the Father, Tom. It is a powerful read. I have to say it's very funny in parts, very warm, very disturbing in other parts and um, deep and deeply uncomfortable. I might throw you a big wide open question to kick things off and sure we can take it from there. What does the church mean to you now? I know that you're a former seminarian and um, so you've lived, you've lived through the church and you've left the church. So I'm just wondering, what does it all mean to you now? Yes, I uh, studied for the priesthood, and uh, you can't uh, undo that. It has an influence on you uh, for life, for uh, positive and, in some cases, negative um, reasons. Uh, I um, uh, feel very close to the church in a a tribal sense. I I feel closer to members of my family uh, attending a, a mass say, a confirmation mass, as I did the other day, uh, I feel closer to my family than I do to the bishop and uh, those above him who have, I think, let us all down. Tom, the novel began life as an article that you wrote for The New Yorker, I think, in 2002. Can you tell me about that? Uh, Well, I, uh, uh, because I studied for the priesthood, The New Yorker asked me to do this piece and I tried to um, uh, examine the phenomenon as a uh, former seminarian, uh, but I did ask for help from some priests I knew, and very notably, uh, a man like my central character, Doherty. Uh, Doherty uh, Doherty is a man who is um, uh, has been thrown out of the rather conservative archdiocese of Sydney not for any moral turpitude, uh, but for um, uh, holding certain political views. And he's based on uh, a friend of mine. And I did consult this friend who was in a monastery in the U.S. uh, uh, after he was expelled from the Archdiocese of Sydney. We all said to him, why don't you just leave? He said very authentically, uh, I'm, my identity is that of a priest. And so he went to his order's house and he was a whistleblower and a good soul. And I wanted to honor that. I wanted to honor all the young men I knew in there who were decent human beings. Um, uh, and uh, uh, they're not the sort, I'm afraid, who will ever become cardinals or archbishops, but there are some, they should, and there are some noble people amongst them. And like in any um, organisation, Tom, you're always going to get good eggs and bad eggs. You know, that's a w- always way it plays out. I'm just wondering, the Archdiocese of Sydney comes in for some bashing in Crimes of the Father. And in terms of how you present them, we get a very kind of formal um, corporate structure, very much like a chief executive management structure on things. And, um, you know, they're presented as a very slick, tight um, operation with um, some uh, very sophisticated players. I'm just wondering, do, were you conscious you were ruffling possibly some feathers within the church by presenting um, a spiritual organisation within a kind of, a, I suppose, a corporate context or within a corporate frame? Well, I, I didn't, to tell you the truth, be, for this reason, that I think its corporate nature has by now been well illustrated in some of the court cases it took. And in the case of Ireland by the trouble it's got into in Ireland 
and by uh, the, the inappropriate measures that were taken uh, to deal with it. And so uh, I think the, uh, it's hard for any of us to say something that's more shocking than mm-hmm. what the church has done to itself, actually. Yeah. So I didn't feel I was um, uh, uh, upsetting people. I did feel a revival of my old bewilderment from the 60s and 70s, um, my own anger even, when my friend Pat Connor, uh, the monk, was asked to leave Australia or, or stop operating in the Archdiocese of Sydney and was forced out for no good reason except politics. I did feel um, a certain... Uh, I wanted to emphasise... Um, uh, that issue, uh, he he says that if he said before he died that if it happened now, he'd be able to make use of unfair dismissal law. But unfair dismissal law didn't operate in the 60s and 70s. Do you think 1996 was the pivotal year for um, for the kind of I suppose the, the big public backlash against the church in Australia? Like I remember 1996 I was working in 2UE a radio station in North Sydney and I can always remember parents and grandparents ringing in to the talk show that I was uh, working on so disappointed within the church so disappointed about how the church were handling all sorts of allegations and that disappointment was palpable did it all kick off then do you think did it all come tumbling down on them so to speak did it yes it, it was an, a, an era when there was great scandal but the victims uh, still didn't have a lot of traction and uh it was before what has happened since. What um, uh, what um, uh, Patrick said to me, Father Patrick said to me in 2002, was that if the church didn't um, attend to the problem according to its best angels, if they kept on attending to it only in terms of protecting their assets and uh, calling on their best legal minds, if, if they continued to do that, he said, uh, the state will make them face it. And that's happened both in Ireland and Australia. Tom, in your introductions, you're right. I have come to realise that if you leave the church, the church may not leave you. I'm just wondering, to what extent was, um, were you, by writing Crimes of the Father, were you writing the church out of your system? I suppose, I mean, I don't think it will work, but uh, I'm certainly examining this issue, there's a character in the book who goes back to Ireland. Um, many of the characters in the book are of Irish descent, as you know, and so is Doherty. And uh, they, one of the characters goes back to Ireland and sees a mass stone in Donegal and thinks of the penal days and of the barefoot people around a ragged priest, and she sees this mass stone and thinks, well, that's my inheritance. I've got to try to hang on to that. And I feel exactly the same, that uh, I I felt that my um, Catholicism was, for good and ill, very much an Irish version of Catholicism. It it was Irish priests and nuns still around when I was a kid uh, who taught me. And... um, uh, I felt that um, 
the faith of our fathers should not be lightly thrown over because it was very important to them. And it also uh, gave them, well, a certain dignity. It might have been ambiguous, but it gave them a sense of who they were uh, and a sense, uh, a, a platform on which to fight uh, for human rights. Human rights, very important in the church when I was a kid and when we're all working class people, uh, as it was in the U.S. with the Democrats when the Irish were all workers. Uh, 